ان الله اشترى من المؤمنين انفسهم واموالهم الله has taken from the believers something and what is that what is it that allah has taken from the believers their lives and their properties why bi anna lahumul jannah because he offers to them jannah in return you give your life and your money to allah live your life the way allah wants you to do with your money what allah wants you to spend your life earning the pleasure of allah serving allah his religion striving with your time with your energy with your talent in what cause the cause of allah and your money also spend it in what cause in the cause of allah and what do you have guaranteed in return jannah bi anna lahumul jannah hasan al basri he said allah bought our lives although he created them and he bought our properties although he bestowed them on us allah al karim the generous he gave us our lives he gave us our money and then he offers us you give me this life you give me this money and you'll get something much much better eternal life in jannah and eternal pleasure and happiness in jannah also but what happens we think that this worldly life this worldly enjoyment is so good that we don't want to give it up but what do we see you give this up firstly allah is the one who gave you and you give this up for his sake and he will give you something that is far better something that is far greater so the price of jannah is what life one's life one's outcome of life so whatever we are doing in our lives it is with these actions that we can acquire jannah because it is with these actions that we please allah and it is with the pleasure of allah that a person can enter jannah so think about it what are our lives worth think about it with this time with these actions with this life i want to make it to jannah would anyone award me a university degree even with these actions of mine think about it would we get something that has worldly importance with the actions that we're doing if we cannot go far in dunya with the kind of life that we're living then how do we think that we can attain high levels of darajat with the kind of life we're living so what is needed then more ihsan more action more sincerity more beauty more effort more striving and what are the best ways of striving those that are mentioned in the following ayah and what are those actions who is mentioned who is described attaibun those who do tauba regularly who fall who make mistakes and who do tauba constantly turning back to allah and you see tauba is for repentance from a sin but tauba is also in order to attain high darajat in order to get closer to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like for example the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam didn't he seek forgiveness from allah so many 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 times a day didn't he yeah 
Did he commit sins like other people do? No way. So why is it that he would seek forgiveness repeatedly? Why would he do tawbah repeatedly? What was the reason behind that? Because when a person does tawbah, he is going closer to Allah. A tawbah literally means a rujur, to return. So at-ta'ibun, those who are always returning, going back to Allah. Al-abidun, those who do ibadah. Al-hamidun, those who praise. They praise who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When? In the morning when they wake up. Alhamdulillahi alladhi ahyana ba'dama amatana wa ilayhi nushur. The morning, the day begins with what? Hamd. Alhamdulillah. Right? Then, after eating something, what do they say? That was nice. Yeah? Or a big burp. Yeah? After eating, hamd. Alhamdulillahilladhi at'ama wa saqa wa sawwagahu wa ja'ala lahu makhraja. There are so many adhiriya, so many adhkar to be recited after eating that mention the hamd of Allah, the praise of Allah. So alhamidun, after attaining any blessing, alhamdulillah, in the morning, in the evening, at every step, alhamdulillah. As-sa'ihun, those who travel. For what purpose? For what purpose? In order to learn, in order to teach, in order to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? For the sake of Allah, the Sahaba, they traveled for many expeditions, right? They went to Badr, they went to Uhud, correct? They went to Khaybar, they went all the way to Tabuk. Why? For the sake of Allah. They went for Umrah to Mecca. Why? To worship Allah. Hajj is all about what? Traveling. You don't just stay in Mecca, right? What do you do? You go to Makkah, you go to Mina, and then you're constantly on the go. Siyaha. But remember that asa'ihun, one meaning is those who travel, and there is another meaning to it. Those who fast. Those who fast. Because when a person is fasting, then again, he is keeping away from what? From what he does regularly. Just like when you're traveling. Your daily routine is gone, finished. Right? You're uncomfortable, you are not able to eat, you are busy doing something else. And likewise, when a person is fasting, he cannot do the things that he regularly does. And of the major things is what? Food. Alright? So, as-sa'ihun, al-raki'un, those who do rukur, as-sajidun, those who do sajda, al-amiruna bil-ma'roof, those who command that which is right. Why? Because they want the best for Others also. Because you see, when you feel that something is good and you really strongly believe in it, then you cannot keep it to yourself. Then you cannot close your eyes when somebody's avoiding what is good. Like for example, if there is something delicious at the table and you have a serving of it and you see that your friend is not eating it, what will you do? Her choice. Good for me, I can have more. Yeah? What are you going to do? Go have it. Should I bring it for you? And then you see, still she's not had it. What are you going to do? You're going to go? Get her a serving. Have it. It's really good. You won't regret it. Just one bite, right? Because you know how good it tastes. So likewise, when a person experiences the sweetness of faith, when a person enjoys a good deed, when he tastes its sweetness, a dhawq, then what happens? 
he cannot keep it to himself. He wants more for himself and he wants for others the same thing also. So, Al-Amiruna Bil-Ma'roof. But you know what? Al-Amiruna Bil-Ma'roof, if somebody is telling others about something good, okay, first of all, they're struggling. Right? Because it's difficult to tell somebody about something good. Many times it's difficult. Right? Because people will be very happy if you tell them about good food or a nice recipe or a nice hairstyle or a good deal somewhere in shopping. People are very eager to know about these things. But when it comes to the matters of religion, we have these barriers around us. Don't tell me. I know everything. Right? So Al-Amiruna Bil-Ma'roof, remember, nobody can do Amr Bil-Ma'roof unless there are people who can accept it. So if somebody is telling us about something good, then what should we do? Get offended. How dare she say that to me? Yeah? Get offended? No. Realize that this person wants the best for us. Al-Amiruna Bil-Ma'roof وَالنَّاهُونَ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ And those who forbid that which is wrong. وَالْحَافِظُونَ لِحُدُودِ اللَّهِ And those who guard the limits set by Allah وَبَشِّرِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ And give good news to those people who believe. Give good news. Good news of what? Of Jannah, of reward. Now if you think about it, living this kind of lifestyle. What kind of lifestyle? That first of all, you're so conscious about your actions, your words, your movements, that at every step you wonder, did I do something wrong? And so you're saying, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah. Like, do you see people who are so relaxed in what they do, they say something uh, harsh to someone and they don't mind at all. They miss their prayer and they're going about their day perfectly fine. And here you are, you missed your sunnah and you're worried. Is there a difference? So this kind of lifestyle which is described over here, it's not comfortable, is it? Being of attaibun means that your heart is always worried. Attaibun, al-abidun. Doing ibadah constantly, consistently, every day. You know, uh, doing your adhkar in the morning, performing your salah, reciting the Qur'an, and then, uh, you know, doing something productive. You're on the go basically. And there, there are people who are sleeping in, they haven't even prayed fajr, or they just prayed their fajr and ran back into bed. And here you are, your eyes are closing, and still you're forcing yourself to stay awake and read your Qur'an. It's a different lifestyle. You have to really fight against yourself. Al-Abidun, then if you think about it, Al-Hamidun, same thing. People do something good. They love taking credit for themselves. And this kind of lifestyle, what does it teach us? Anything good happens, remember him. Thank him first. As-Sa'ihun, leaving your comfort, going out in order to learn, in order to teach, in order to worship Allah. People might say you're crazy. Just like the people who went to Tabuk, others said to them, don't go out in the heat. Isn't it? People discourage them. So if you think about it, it is difficult to live like this. But what does Allah say? وَبَشِّرِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ Yes, it's difficult. It's a very different lifestyle. But you've given your life to Allah. You want Jannah in return. You're not settled with the pleasure of this dunya. You want something that's much, much greater. And we see this. In this dunya also, someone who wants to go far, they don't live like average people live. They have different habits, right? Different lifestyle completely. 
If you think about it, successful people, if you ever read up you know, any article on different kinds of people who've been very successful in their lives, one of the things you'll notice is they have a very good and consistent morning routine. Morning routine. It doesn't matter whether they're CEOs or they're yoga gurus or what they are. doesn't matter. Whatever they're successful in, it's because they have a consistent morning routine. That means they're up before average people are up. They have started their day much before typical people will. So when do they get up? Six o'clock in the morning. Five o'clock in the morning. Not because they have to pray Fajr. Because majority of these people are not even Muslim. Why? Because they're going to read the news. Right? They're going to read a book. They're going to do their exercise. They're going to do their meditation. They're going to go for their walk. They're going to go for their jog. Right? And by the time they leave for work, 7.30, a big chunk of their work is already done. This is what makes them successful in their life. Successful people have better life habits. Better habits. Which average people don't have. Which is why there's such a difference when it comes to their result. But if a person is striving like this for the sake of Allah, then you know what? He's not just successful here, he's also successful there and forever. In a hadith we learned, the Prophet ﷺ said, Allah the Exalted says, By my honor, I will not combine for my servant two securities nor two fears. What does that mean? He said, if he feels secure from me in this world, I will make him fearful on the day that I gather my servants. And if he fears me in this world, I will make him secure on the day that I gather my servants. So what does this hadith tell us? That if a person is living this life, being fearful of Allah, so this is why he is of التائبون العابدون الحامدون السائحون, then you know what? On the day of judgment, this fear will be what? Security for him then Allah will grant him security. And if a person lives this life fearlessly, without any fear of Allah, then what will happen? On the day of judgment, he will be full of fear. So either we discipline ourselves now, and remember Allah, and be careful about what we do, and about our hereafter, or we choose the other path. The choice is ours. But realize what is more beneficial? Realize what it is that will really take a person to success. Recitation again. Inna Allah ashtara minal mu'minina anfusahum wa amwalahum bi anna lahumul jannah. يُقَاتِلُونَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ فَيَقْتُلُونَ وَيُقْتَلُونَ وَعْدًا عَلَيْهِ حَقًّا فِي التَّوْرَاةِ وَالْإِنْجِيلِ وَالْقُرْآنِ وَمَنْ أَوْفَى بِعَهْدِهِ مِنَ اللَّهِ فَاسْتَبْشِرُوا بِبَيْعِكُمُ الَّذِي بَايَعْتُمْ بِهِ وَذَلِكَ هُوَ الْفَوْزُ الْعَظِيمُ
will be al-mufoon al-mutayyibun those who fulfill their promises their commitments their word and al-mutayyibun who do it well who do it good who do it beautifully so a promise transaction is always both sided right allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is offering us a deal give me your life your money and i'll give you jannah So we have to do something in return, right? And what is it that we have to do? What is mentioned in these ayat? At-ta'ibun, al-abidun, al-hamidun, al-sa'ihun. So now think about it. Am I of al-mufun, al-mutayyibun? How well am I fulfilling these tasks? How often is it that I do tawbah? How regular am I in my ibadah? How much do I praise Allah? How consistent are my rukur, my sujood? When I see someone neglecting ma'roof, do I tell them? When I see someone doing munkar, do I remind them? Am I concerned about the hudud of Allah? Or am I only concerned about my rights? And what I need? So think about it. The best people on the day of judgment, the most nearest of people to Allah will be who? Al-Mufoon. Let's continue. مَا كَانَ It is not for the Prophet. Meaning, it is not permissible for the Prophet. It does not befit a Prophet. وَالَّذِينَ amanu And also the believers. It is not allowed for the Prophet, nor is it allowed for the believers. What? أَن يَسْتَغْفِرُوا لِلْمُشْرِكِينَ That they seek forgiveness for the mushrikeen. Those who are associating partners with Allah, committing the greatest sin. Greatest sin. You know in hadith we learned that the son of Adam, he abuses me, he hurts me. How? By associating partners with Allah. So the one who's doing shirk, it does not befit a believer nor a prophet to seek forgiveness for such people. وَلَوْ كَانُوا And even if they are, who are these mushrikeen? Uli qurba, close relatives. Even if these mushrikeen are close relatives, it does not befit the believers to seek forgiveness for them. Mim ba'di, after ma that, tabayyana lahum, it became evident to them. What became evident to them? Annahum ashabul jahim, that indeed they are the companions of the blaze. Now you see, if a person is a mushrik and they are alive, then as long as they are alive, we are hopeful that inshallah one day Allah will guide them. Right? And this is the reason we always make dua for them. That may Allah guide them, may Allah guide them. Right? We see that Abu Sufyan, radiyallahu anhu, wasn't there a time when he opposed the Prophet ﷺ? Inflicted harm on the Muslims? 
Khalid bin Walid radiallahu anhu, he inflicted such harm upon the Muslims at the battle of Uhud like nobody ever did. And what happened? That same Khalid bin Walid, one day he came to the Prophet ﷺ embracing Islam. And he became the sword of Allah. Right? So a mushrik, as long as he's alive, we are hopeful, we make dua for them. No matter what atrocities they have committed, we still remain hopeful of them. However, when it is evident that they are going to be people of the fire, and when is that evident? When they die in the state of shirk, then it does not behoove neither a prophet nor a believer to ask Allah to forgive such a person. Because the reality is that we are not more merciful than Allah. He is Ar-Rahman, the most merciful, and we are just a little bit merciful. He is more merciful than us. So if He has decided that someone should be of the people of the blaze because they died committing the greatest sin, then who are we to ask Allah to forgive them? It's not permissible for us. You see, the Prophet ﷺ's uncle, Abu Talib, at his deathbed, the Prophet ﷺ was urging him, say la ilaha illallah so that I can at least do something for you. But what happened? Abu Talib listened to his friends and he said, no, I am on the religion of my forefathers. So could the Prophet ﷺ seek forgiveness for him? No. The Prophet ﷺ asked permission from Allah to go visit the grave of his mother, Amina. He was given the permission. And then he asked permission to seek forgiveness for her. But he was not given the permission. Because she died committing shirk. So it doesn't matter. Even if they are ulil qurba, uncle of the Prophet, mother of the Prophet, it doesn't matter. As long as they're alive, we have a chance. That A, we strive to convey the message to them, the truth to them. And B, keep making dua for them. But once they die in that state, then the matter is not in our hands anymore. And as far as people say about the case of Ibrahim salam, that Ibrahim salam, his father was also mushrik, but Ibrahim made dua for him. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clarifies, وَمَا كَانَ And it was not. What? إِسْتِغْفَارُ Ibrahim, The seeking forgiveness of Ibrahim. For who? لِأَبِيهِ For his father. Meaning, why is it that Ibrahim salam was seeking forgiveness for his father, it was only because illa except an from mawidatin a promise wa'adaha he had promised it iyahu him who his father, meaning it was because of a promise that he had made with his father. What promise that he would seek forgiveness for him, and this is the reason why Ibrahim salam sought forgiveness for his father. Like we learn that Ibrahim when his father rejected him and told him to leave, otherwise he would kill him. Ibrahim left. But he promised at that time saying, سَأَسْتَغْفِرُ لَكَ رَبِّي I will seek forgiveness for you from my Lord. In Surah Al-Mumtahina, Ayah 4, also this is mentioned. إِلَّا قَوْلَ إِبْرَاهِيمَ لِأَبِيهِ لَأَسْتَغْفِرَنَّ لَكَ I will seek forgiveness for you. And did Ibrahim do that? Yes. Ibrahim sought forgiveness for him. However, فَلَمَّا تَبَيَّنَ لَهُ But when it became evident to him that أَنَّهُ عَدُوٌ لِلَّهِ That he is an enemy to Allah. Who is? His father is. How did it become clear to Ibrahim that his father was an enemy to Allah? When his father died in that state. He never repented. Then what happened? 
تَبَرَّأَ مِنْهُ He declared his disassociation from him. Meaning Ibrahim disassociated himself from his father. He died as a mushrik. So Ibrahim didn't have anything to do with him then. Because different faith, right? And ultimately a different end. Different group, different end. إِنَّ إِبْرَاهِيمَ لَأَوَّاهٌ حَلِيمٌ And about Ibrahim salam, Allah says that indeed Ibrahim was surely awah and halim. Awah. From the root letters, Hamza, wow, ha. Awah. Ah. What does that mean? The one who sighs a lot. Who sighs a lot? Who? When do you sigh? When do you say, ah? When you feel something here, right? When you feel something in your heart that really has an impact on you, so you can't help but sigh. So Allah is someone who is very, very, very compassionate, very tender-hearted, extremely kind-hearted. So because he was so tender-hearted, so compassionate, he couldn't help but pray for his father. Think about it. Are we really compassionate towards people that we're so concerned about? People who don't accept Islam and we learn that they will eventually go to fire. Are we really concerned about them? Are we really compassionate towards them? We Muslims show a lot of concern that why will God put people in hellfire? Right? It is something that we find difficult to accept. But what kind of compassion is this? Where when we're dealing with people, we show no compassion to them. When they're sinning, and when they're throwing themselves into fire, we don't warn them, we don't tell them. And yet, when Allah, with His justice, He will punish the sinful, we get concerned about them. This is hypocrisy, isn't it? Like for example, if there is a person who's committing a crime in front of your eyes, a crime in front of your eyes. What is your responsibility? If you really care about them and if you really care about the people, what's your responsibility? That you stop them. They pick up a gun, you stop them. You tell them not to do that. And if they don't listen to you, you get help. Right? But if you don't do anything at that time, you say, you know what? It's their choice. Free country, free life, it's up to you. You do whatever you want. And then later on, when they're being punished when they're being charged with murder and so many, many, many crimes, you say, oh, but come on, how can you give them life imprisonment? Really? Now you care about them? Why didn't you care about them earlier? What were you doing when they were picking up the gun before you? Were you sleeping at that time? Ibrahim was Allah. He truly, truly, genuinely cared about people. And this is why when his people turned against him, collecting firewood to burn him, he didn't stop telling them the truth. And when Allah saved him, still, he didn't just leave the people. He came out of the fire and went back. He went back, telling them again. He went back. And what happened? His father said, you better go, otherwise I'm going to stone you to death. He didn't stop telling them. He kept telling them because he genuinely cared about people. He was Allah. So yes, he had a right to seek forgiveness later on. But we who just talk, 
who don't really genuinely care about people, we have no right to say, why will Allah punish people in hellfire? Because the fact is that we don't really care about people. If we really cared about them, we would have been telling them about what the truth is. He was awah, and he was halim. Who is halim? Someone who is very, very tolerant. Who has the power to take revenge, but yet he decides not to. So Ibrahim a.s. he was so tolerant that his father is threatening him, I'm going to kill you. But yet Ibrahim a.s. doesn't stop. He doesn't answer back. He was halim. So what do we learn in these ayat? You see, this is Surah At-Tawbah. Right? And it is an invitation to repentance. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala invites who to repent? All kinds of people. Mushrikeen, munafiqeen, those who have doubt, those who are behind in their action, no matter what, who it is, repent, turn back to Allah. Be of attaibun if you want to make it to Jannah. That's the first characteristic needed from people if they want to make it to Jannah. Attaibun. But we see that if a person does not return to Allah Himself, then it doesn't matter if the Prophet seeks forgiveness for them 70 times. If Khalilullah, Ibrahim a.s. seeks forgiveness for them, it doesn't matter. If a person himself does not go to Allah, then remember that no one can take you. No one can get you forgiven if you don't go to Him seeking His forgiveness. In a hadith we learn that Ibrahim a.s. will disown his father on the Day of Judgment. He will meet his father and he will see dust and fatigue on his face. Like, you know, we learned that people, their faces will be dark, covered with dust, because gloom, because of the fear. So Ibrahim salam, he will say to his father, Oh, my father, didn't I tell you to listen to me? But you didn't. So his father will say, Oh, Ibrahim, I will not disobey you today. I will listen to you today. Whatever you tell me, I will do today. Ibrahim will ask Allah, Oh my Lord, please forgive my father. Even on the day of judgment, he will try. He will say that this will be humiliation for me if my father is thrown into hellfire. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not accept that. So what will happen? His father will be converted into a creature that is described as a filthy hyena and dragged into hellfire. So that Ibrahim does not see the face of his father being taken into hellfire. So it doesn't matter who the person is, even if they're the father of Khalilullah, even if they're the uncle of Al-Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wasallam. if a person himself does not take the steps towards Allah, nobody can push you. Nobody can make you go. Nobody can take you there. You, yourself, have to walk towards your Lord. Seeking His pardon, His forgiveness. Eager for His mercy. You have to take the leap. You yourself have to go. وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ And Allah would not لِيُضِلَّ قَوْمًا Mislead a people. بَعْدَ after إِذْ هَدَاهُمْ when He has guided them. After Allah has guided a people, He would not declare them misguided. Hatta until يُبَيِّنَ lahum, He makes clear to them مَا يَتَّقُونَ That which they must avoid. يَتَّقُونَ They avoid. إِنَّ اللَّهَ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ عَلِيمٍ Indeed, Allah is knowing of everything. You see the Sahaba, they were all converts, right? They were all converts. 
And they were all concerned about their families, about their loved ones. Someone's wife was not Muslim, someone's son was not Muslim, someone's father, their uncle. Every family had members, you know, some relatives who weren't Muslim, who were still upon shirk. So imagine the worry that they were living in on a daily basis. If my father dies today, what is going to happen? So what happened? All the companions in some way or the other, they were seeking forgiveness for their loved ones. Now when these ayat were revealed, they got worried. That did we just do something wrong by seeking forgiveness for our mushrik relatives? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clarifies over here that before you didn't know. So when you didn't know, out of ignorance you did something wrong, you're not going to be misguided. Allah has clarified this matter to you now. So from this point onwards, you are responsible. You are accountable. But before when you didn't know, any mistake that you made in ignorance... It's okay. إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَهُ مُلْكُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ Indeed, Allah, to Him belongs the dominion of the heavens and the earth. يُحْيِي وَيُمِيت He gives life and He gives death. وَمَا لَكُمْ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ مِن وَلِيٍ وَلَا نَصِيرٍ And you do not have besides Allah any protector or any helper. And isn't this clear? If Allah does not protect a person, if Allah does not help him, who can? Can Ibrahim السلام, do that? Can Muhammad السلام, do that? Can Umar do that? Nobody can. No one can give shelter to the one whom Allah punishes. So it's necessary that we clear our record with who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In the sense that we don't have any, anything that is distancing us from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Our relationship with our Lord, with our Creator, should be the best, should be good. We try to reach Allah through others, depending on others in order to know Allah. This is why when we're going through some difficulty, instead of making dua ourselves, what do we do? We keep urging other people, please make dua for me, please make dua for me. Yes, ask others, but how much dua are we making ourselves? Because... If Allah is happy with a person, then it doesn't matter if the whole world is upset with him. What matters most is the rida of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Approval from him. Recitation. مَا كَانَ لِلنَّبِيِّ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا يَسْتَغْفِرُوا لِلْمُشْرِكِينَ وَلَوْ كَانُوا وَلَوْ كَانُوا أُولِي قُرْبَى مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا تَبَيَّنَ لَهُمْ أَنَّهُمْ أَصْحَابُ الْجَحِيمِ وَمَا كَانَ اسْتِغْفَارُ إِبْرَاهِيمَ لِأَبِيهِ إِلَّا عَنْ مَوْعِدَةٍ وَعَدَهَا إِيَّاهُ فَلَمْ تَبَيَّنَ لَهُ أَنَّهُ عَدُوٌّ لِلَّهِ تَبَرَّأَ مِنْهُ إِنَّ إِبْرَاهِيمَ لَأَوَّاهٌ حَلِيمٌ وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيُضِلَّ قَوْمًا بَعْدَ إِذْ هَدَاهُمْ حَتَّى يُبَيِّنَ لَهُمْ مَا يَتَّقُونَ إِنَّ اللَّهَ 